All right, please take out your Bibles. Turn to Isaiah 54, verse 17. I'd like to ask everyone, please take out your Bibles. Take out your Bibles. Isaiah 54, verse 17. Okay, let's read that. We're reading it from the ESV. Let's read that together. One, two, three, go. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed, and you shall confute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Amen. I want everyone listening to this message to memorize this verse this week. Okay, I don't care if you're a leader or you're just a newcomer or you're a visitor. I want to encourage you, memorize this verse this week. Everyone listening by podcast, memorize this verse, but I'm going to ask you to memorize it in the New King James Version. All right, just, all right, I'll read the New King James Version because the ESV wording is a little clumsy. New King James says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Hallelujah. This is a good word. The Bible does not say no weapon shall be formed against you. It says no weapon formed against you. So Isaiah 54, 17 It's prophesying good news and bad news. The bad news is weapons will be formed against us. It tells us that the enemy will form all kinds of weapons to attack us. Those weapons may be in your face like anger or sexual temptation. Or they can be more covert like apathy, projection, or regret. Such weapons are designed to interfere, delay, or destroy our assignments and relationships. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Now that's the bad news. Weapons will be formed against you. But the good news is, no matter what plans are devised by men or whatever Satan throws your way, the good news is no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Amen? I want you to lift your hands right now and receive that. Because all of you need to receive this right now. Lift your, both your hands right now. Lift both your hands. Yeah, yeah. Lift both your hands. I want you to receive this. Say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Hallelujah. That's good. Amen. Let's take a picture of that. It looks real good. The New Testament also promises us the same thing. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. The Word of God is saying, If we follow Jesus Christ, our Commander-in-Chief, we shall always be led in triumphal procession. Amen? We shall always be led to victory. Amen? In other words, the word of God is saying, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You shall always be led 
into triumphal procession. Hallelujah. If you read here in the New King James, it says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This means every tongue, every word which rises against you in judgment, every accusation, gossip, slander, or prejudice, you shall condemn it. You shall annihilate, you shall obliterate, you shall subdue, you shall cast down. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Hallelujah. And our righteousness is from God. And there is no accusation that Satan can throw your way that can stick to you. For the word of God says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. See, the only ones, the only accusations, judgments, slander, gossip that you're allowing, that, that you're, that's sticking to your life are the ones that you allow to stick to your life. Hallelujah. Now, this is the promise. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. But very few Christians know how to lay hold of this promise. And the truth of the matter is, many Christians, they get devoured by the enemy. Don't they? Whether they've been a Christian a couple months or many years. Christians get devoured by the enemy. They get defeated by the weapons that the enemy utilizes. This is because in order to defend against Satan and his weapons, we must first understand what we are fighting against. We need to understand the schemes, the the enemy's weapons. We need to understand what those weapons are in order for us to declare no weapon formed against me shall prosper. The Bible tells in 2 Corinthians 2.11, in the New King James, it says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So the word of God is saying, if you are ignorant to his devices, to his weapons of choice, Satan will take advantage of you. Now, I don't know about you, but I ain't no chump. I am not going to let Satan take advantage of me. That's just not, that's not my inheritance. That's not my heritage. My heritage is one of victory. Because Jesus, his blood is in my DNA. I'm destined for victory, for triumph. So, what are some of the weapons the enemy utilizes? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm a practical kind of guy. I believe we, we, we learn the fastest if we just begin to look at specific examples. So I'm going to cover a few right now. Cover a few right now. Number one, abandonment. This is a take notes kind of sermon. So if you want to take notes, you should take notes for this one. Or you need to listen to this again. Abandonment. Abandonment is when a person withdraws their presence and support from another person or organization. And the person does not follow through on their duty, responsibility, and obligation. He or she betrays covenant or commitment. And the enemy seduces people, particularly those who play a key role in our development and progress 
or in the development and progress of an organization, and Satan targets such people to abandon their commitments and to walk away from relationships and responsibilities. This is abandonment. Now, there may be sometimes, it may seem like there's a good reason why they abandoned you, or other times there's no reason at all. But whatever Satan can do to make you or the people around you, the people you work with, the people you love, if he can get them to abandon you, he's using that weapon against you. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been abandoned? You ever feel abandonment? Who in here has never felt abandonment? You were always popular. You were always accepted. You know, when I was a little baby... And I was four years old. I was still living in Korea. And my mom would take me to the Baekhwajam, the department store. And I was a short little baby. And I would hold on to her skirt. Because I was kind of like a clingy baby. <laughs> and we would be at the Baekhwajam. And she just thought that she'd get a good laugh out of it. So while she's walking, and if I look the other way, she will pull away and hide behind like some clothes or whatnot. And she said that every time she did that, I'll be holding on to her skirt, I'll be looking this way, and all of a sudden she's gone. And as I slowly look back, and I just start crying. And then my mom will come out and say, ah, I'm my yogi so, I'm my yogi so. And I, ah. And then she'll do it again and again. And she said, even if she did it like four or five times, every single time, she, I would just start crying. Why? That's abandonment. She was using abandonment to get a good laugh out of me. Now, whether you experience abandonment as a child or as an adult, it has the power to cause great emotional pain, financial hardship. Spiritual misalignment. Organizational chaos. And disillusionment. Man, abandonment can be so damaging. Abandonment can be physical, psychological, and emotional. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote about his experience with ministerial abandonment in his letters. Now, just because you're a good, mature Christian doesn't mean you ain't going to experience abandonment in your life. And even Paul, you can tell in his letters, he was, he was filled with pain over what happened. You know, when you're growing up, your friends be like, man, don't diss me. You're going to be there or not. You know, and when somebody dissed you, it would hurt. And you would go around gossiping about that person. That person dissed me. I can't believe it. Why do we use words like this, ditch, or whatever you word you use in your, in your school. Why? It's because abandonment, when it comes down to it, it's, it's destructive. It's damaging. And even when Paul experienced ministerial abandonment, these were not planned by God, by the way. Let me add some ministerial abandonment to Paul so he can grow in character. Okay? No, I, I choose to believe these were attacks of the enemy to keep Paul from reaching his potential and purpose. But praise the Lord that 
that Paul said with the word of God, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And he kept going forward. Abandonment can be devastating. It can result in an inability to trust people. A tendency toward manipulation. Shame. Fear of rejection. Loneliness. Suspicion. Addictions. And a long list of other destructive sets of behavior. That can interfere with a person's ability to foster healthy and loving relationships in their lives. Abandonment, man. And you know what? If you don't have healthy and loving relationships in your life, you're going to have a hard time growing spiritually. You're going to have a difficult time discerning your assignment. Because when it comes down to it, your assignment is connected with other people's assignments. And for you to succeed, you've got to help somebody else succeed. And when you can't have those rich, dynamic love relationships in your life, this is going to be a very difficult, it's going to be a difficult spiritual life, difficult life in general. Satan wants to use this weapon to destroy healthy and loving relationships in your life or to keep you from ever entering into healthy and loving relationships. This is one of his weapons. I'm going to move on. Let's go to the second weapon I want to talk about today. Abortion. Abortion. Now, there are two perspectives to be considered regarding abortion. First is the common view. According to the American Heritage Dictionary, abortion is an induced termination of pregnancy and expulsion of an embryo or fetus. Now, when a woman consents and actually goes through with an abortion, she becomes both victim and perpetrator. And the abortion just doesn't make a person unpregnant. It also aligns the women, the people who supported the woman, and the people who actually performed the abortion, it aligns them all to be murderers. It's very serious. You know, in the book of Exodus, I'll give you examples of the spirit of abortion that was at work, even in the Bible. In the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, when the Hebrews became more and more numerous in the land of Egypt, Satan used fear in Pharaoh's heart and didn't just stop with fear, but caused Pharaoh to order the murder of all of the Hebrew firstborn sons. Now, you see, I believe this was Satan's ploy to destroy Moses while he was an infant. Somehow he sniffed out the plans of God and knew that there was a deliverer to be raised up at this hour. And in order to stop that, stop that from happening, he launched an all-out attack, killing all of those babies. In the Gospels, when King Herod heard that the king of the Jews had been born, you know what he did? He did the same thing. He ordered that all of the male children in Bethlehem, two years and under, be killed. The same spirit 
that operated in Pharaoh and Herod, I'm telling you right now, is the same one that is killing all the unborn today. You see, brothers and sisters, what you don't understand is, the, you know, there have been so many millions of abortions. I mean, at least I'm American. So in America, since the 70s, it's, it's, it's crazy how many abortions there have been. So many unborn killed. I mean, more babies were, more people were killed through abortion than they were through all of the war wars put together. And I believe that, you see, Satan knows that in the 70s and even the 80s, I guess, I mean, since then, hallelujah, Satan knows that there are deliverers and anointed ones being born onto the earth. And in his attempt, to destroy them. You see, Satan, he's a wimp. He will try to destroy in infancy that which he cannot defeat in adulthood. And Satan is using abortion as a weapon to destroy the purposes of God's people. Now, the sin of abortion it opens the door for a spirit of death to destroy various areas of a person's life. It creates cycles of death that allow the enemy to have access to steal, kill, and destroy. And this can include the person's business ventures, relationships, ministries, finances. Dr. Cindy Trim says, it also sends the spirit of death down to future generations. Long-term ramifications are mind boggling not only does satan succeed using this weapon to destroy unborn he succeeds in destroying the person who did it and the person who supported them and the people who performed it i mean talk about killing four or five tens ten birds with one stone is a weapon satan uses physical abortion to destroy the purposes of god on the earth now the second view has to do with spiritual abortion you see, the spirit of abortion doesn't just go after physical wombs, but it also affects spiritual ones. You know that male or female, brothers, you have a womb? If you believe that, say amen. amen. No, I said, brothers, if you believe that, say amen. amen. All right, one brother believes it. <laughs> you have a spiritual womb, brothers, Amen. Say it with some conviction, man. Come on, amen? amen? Come on, brothers. Where are you? I, I don't want to go through that labor womb. I don't want nothing to do with the womb. No, there are spiritual wombs. Spiritual wombs are the place where visions, dreams, character, leadership, and the purposes of God are incubated. They don't just appear overnight. They need to be nurtured in your spiritual womb. And Satan tries to destroy that which is being developed and nurtured in a person's spiritual womb and prevents a person from maximizing his or her potential or fulfilling his or her purpose. Satan uses spiritual abortion. Now, activities utilized to affect spiritual abortion can include murder, accidents, Premature deaths, sabotage, 
and even less obvious attacks such as laziness, gossip, fear, underbelief, and slander. You see, each of these activities in a person's spiritual womb, uh, each of these activities, I'm sorry, each of these activities of demonic spirits, it has the potential and power to terminate things such as ministries, business opportunities, relationships, purposes, and potential. And in all these activities, Satan can use to affect spiritual abortion in your life. You know, spiritual abortion attempts to kill the many different blessings that heaven is pregnant with for you. You know, in heaven, there are just blessings, assignments, increase that has your name on it. And it's Satan's job to keep you from ever experiencing it. You know, the Israelites, they came up out of Egypt with Moses. Unfortunately, they never made it into the promised land. And it just because just you got saved, healed, delivered doesn't mean you go into the promised land, by the way. Satan's not going to be like, oh, you got saved. Oh, man, how, how, man, I couldn't receive Christ. Oh, I got healed and delivered. Oh, man. No, Satan, Satan's not like that. You, you can take that. All right, you want to? Right, okay, we'll push through. All right. Don't mean you go into the promised land. Doesn't mean you ain't, you're going into the promised land. And you know what? The Israelites, they died in the desert. They never went in. Their entire future prosperity and potential were aborted because of fear and unbelief. Physical and spiritual abortion are weapons that we must be aware of. That we got to learn how to fight against. Amen? Amen. Third is abuse. Abuse. Listen up, brothers. This is abuse. Abuse is defined as the mistreatment of something or someone. And it can manifest itself in various forms. The mistreatment, mistreatment of something or someone is abuse. Maybe you experienced physical abuse. Who in here has ever been punched in the face? Raise your hand. You've been punched in the face. I know, I know Caleb was. While he was in jail, he got punched in the face. And he ain't do nothing about it. Not because he was turning the other cheek, but because he was scared. <laughs> like, you've been punched in the face. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. You've been ever punched in the face. All right, put your hands down. Punching, hitting, slapping, pinching, biting. Physical abuse. Or if your parent didn't provide adequate care and support, that's physical abuse. Or if a doctor didn't give you proper treatments or medication, that's also an example of physical abuse. You know, growing up on the streets of Philadelphia, I experienced a lot of physical abuse as a child. I was just a young little boy that just came off of the airplane, didn't know how to speak English. I thought that everybody out there was my friend or have, was potential to be my friend. I, I didn't know that all the African-American kids that were yelling at me in the streets, that they were 
telling me to go back home to China. And when I found out, I told them, I'm not from China. But they still said, bleeping, 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 get out. You don't belong here. Get out of our country. And where the verbal abuse, I thought that was enough. You know, came time and day where they started to attack me physically. No reason at all. One time I was on my skateboard, just chilling. Just on my skateboard, you know. I wasn't even a good skateboarder, but I just, you know, I just had a skateboard. Everybody had a skateboard, right? Back, back in the day, man, everybody had a skateboard back then. And uh, I'm just chilling. And next thing I know, boom, my face hits the sidewalk. And somebody took that skateboard from under my feet. And I, I remember hitting my teeth on the, on the sidewalk, and it hurt. All I remember is I got up and I said, that big black guy is running away with my skateboard. And I got up and I said, I will not lose my skateboard. My mom got it for me and I don't want to get a beaten for losing the skateboard. I don't know why I thought that way, but I went after him. I couldn't fight him. You know what I did? I tripped him and he fell. A skateboard went, I went after the skateboard and I hung on to it. And then he came over and he started kicking my head. I was less than seven years old. So I was kicking my head in. And I just, I just kind of blocked out for a second. And he took the skateboard and started running with it again. I just got right back up, <laughs> went after him and I tripped him again. And he fell down this time. He picked up the skateboard first, and he started to hit me with the skateboard. I'm getting beat up. Physical abuse. I also experienced uh, abandonment as well. Because my cousin, by the way, they were right nearby, and they were watching the whole thing. And they didn't do nothing about it. Now, Satan used... That incident to try to harden me. Use that weapon to make me an angry and violent man. You know? And uh, it kind of worked. Because for, for, for a moment and period of time, I became very angry. And I just wanted to fight everybody. And anyone who stepped up to me, I just wanted to beat them up. And uh, it could have been also that way or it could have made me a very fearful man. Fearful boy. Never wants to go out to play. And uh, it wasn't just that incident. There were many, many more incidents. I mean, up until high school, I, there was physical abuse every day on the playground. But uh, praise the Lord that no weapon formed against me prospered. I think up until I got married, I got the last bit of my tough, violent desires and tendencies out of my system. And God also helped me. He gave me dreams where I couldn't fight back. I would be in these dreams, and there would be like a big fight. And I'd be like, oh, and I want to fight in the dream, but my arms are like him. They don't move. And I'm like, no! And God's like, you stay still. (laughs) And experiencing that emotion enough, it made me realize, man, I could do it. I could just turn the other cheek. Anyway, 
physical abuse. You know, there have been a lot of suicides lately in America because of physical abuse in the schools. A lot of bullying going on. You know, we, we know about it here in Korea. But in America, it's fairly new. Kids committing suicide because of bullying. Or the opposite. Ten years ago, we had Columbine. Kids killing each other because of bullying. I mean, physical abuse, man, Satan can use it to really cause some destruction, doesn't he? And, uh, you know, abuse doesn't just come in the form of physical. It could be also psychological abuse. When a person repeatedly makes you feel unhappy, anxious, afraid, humiliated, or devalued, this is an example of psychological abuse. You know, if, if you're coming to church and there's somebody at church that just makes you feel fear, or whatever, like they're not doing anything wrong. They're not hitting you. They're not sexually harassing you, nothing, you know. But they just make you feel fear by the way they're coming off. They're a psychological abuse. Satan's using that person to maybe keep you from coming out to church. To keep you from stepping out and growing more. Psychological abuse. Uh, sexual abuse. Sexual abuse is... Acts that involve physical or non-physical harassment. Sexual activity forced on someone with no consent or consent is made, but the power imbalance is too great for that consent to be considered valid. Sexual abuse. You know, sexual abuse is quite devastating and damaging as well. And it's really disgusting and terrible when Satan uses and utilizes his weapon, not just on adults, but upon children. Have you guys been keeping up with the news, Catholic Church? There's just so much scandal right now over children all over, not just America. America was like, still happening in America. Still cases are coming up. But in Europe... All over Europe, people bringing legal cases against the Catholic Church for sexual abuse. Not just from the members of the church, but from the very leaders of the church. And these, these, if you, if you, why, why would such people want to sue? Well, the effects of that sexual abuse has just completely damaged their lives. And there's so much pain that they live with. And it's almost as a form of revenge. People are coming forward. Sexual abuse is very damaging. Financial abuse is another form of abuse. Uh, let's say you're vulnerable financially and someone takes advantage of you. Someone steals from you. That's financial abuse. That could be pretty damaging as well. You ever trust somebody with money? They promise to pay you back and then they book That's damaging. You know, in, in Korea, financial abuse is so bad here. You know, people put down key money, and then they book. They're gone. People, they do this collection thing among families, and they collect the money, and every time, every month, different people, it's their turn to put money into the thing, into the account. And sometimes people, once it's their turn, they just take it and they book. Financial abuse. I mean, that just damages families, especially if they're already struggling. Especially vulnerable people. 
there's also discriminatory abuse. This is oppressive or discriminatory attitudes toward a person's disability or their mental health or their sensory impairment or their race, gender, religion, cultural background, or sexual orientation. All forms of discriminatory abuse. Very damaging. You know, when it comes down to it, Satan sets up abuse in many forms. Physical, psychological, sexual, financial, material, institutional, social, discriminatory abuse. And he uses these weapons to destroy our dignity, our purity, to keep us in poverty, to keep us oppressed, and ultimately to keep us from fulfilling our potential and purposes in God. These are his weapons, and they're very real. These are three examples of weapons that Satan forms against us. And you know what, by the way, Satan's been around a lot longer than you have. And he knows the word of God probably better than you do. And you think Satan doesn't set up these kinds of complicated, long-term goals and weapons? You're wrong. He does it, and he does it all the time. Satan loves to trespass. He loves to steal, kill, and destroy. And whether you're a strong Christian or a baby Christian or you're not a Christian at all, Satan uses these weapons against God's people all the time to keep you from your potential and purpose, to keep you from God's love, to keep you from love relationships with others, or to destroy the relationships you have now. Satan utilizes these weapons... To create strongholds in your life. Where strange patterns of behavior you can't break. Because Satan has set up strongholds using these weapons. These weapons can be devastating. But brothers and sisters, praise the Lord. Because God tells us no weapon formed against you shall prosper. The word of God tells us. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's not against those people that are giving you a lawsuit. It's not against your mama or daddy who abandoned you when you were a child. Our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavens. Meaning, in other words, demons. Our fight is against Satan and his demons. And the word of God tells us that although Satan has weapons, we have weapons too. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Hallelujah. You have weapons to pull down strongholds. Turn to your neighbor, tell him that. You have weapons for pulling down strongholds. You got weapons. You got weapons. So let's look at our weapons and our counterattacks that we can use to disarm, annihilate, and cast down the works of the enemy. Let's deal with abandonment. If you've experienced abandonment in your life, one of the things that you can do, instead of putting up walls and saying, I'm never going to trust nobody again, it's not the answer. That's going to keep you from God's best for your life. 
Instead, just sit down and ask God to send people into your life that you can trust and build strong friendships with. Strong relationships with. Just ask God. You know, there were some times where I felt abandoned throughout my life, maybe even in college. And there were periods of time in my life where I said, Lord, send me some friends that will like me. Even after they find out what I'm like. They'll like me and they'll like me for who I am. They'll be patient with me. I just need some good friends, Lord. And God answered those prayers. I've been able to experience some very rich relationships as a result of those prayers. And you see, when you get abandoned once, you are afraid of getting abandoned again. This is where you need the word of God. There are three verses I'm going to mention. Write down the reference for all three verses and memorize them. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Deuteronomy 31.6. Joshua 1.5. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. So if you thought Deuteronomy was just talking to a group of people, Joshua 1.5 is talking to an individual. God's talking to you as an individual. And once again, in Hebrews 13.5, keep yourselves, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. All those three verses, you hold to those promises. And instead of vowing, I will never trust anyone again. I will never be hurt like this again. I will not let anyone abandon me like this again. You say, I'm going to trust. I'm going to love. And even if people abandon me again, that's all right. Because God is with me. He is my rock. I shall not be shaken. Even if I don't feel it. I'm believing it because his word is true. He will never leave me nor forsake me. So don't say to yourself, hey, Pastor Chris, you don't understand. When I was a little child, my father abandoned me. And his absence has damaged me so much. You know, that's why I'm such a mess today. That's why I'm I'm never going to amount to anything. My father abandoned me. What am I going to do with my life? Now, don't say that. You say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Satan, you did your work, but it's time for Jesus to do his. Although my parents abandoned me, this is an awesome verse for people who have ever experienced abandonment from parents. Psalm 27, verse 10. Psalm 27, verse 10. For my father and my mother have forsaken me. But the Lord will take me in. For my father and my mother have forsaken me. 
but the Lord will take me in. Hallelujah. I don't care who's abandoned you. I don't care how many times you've been abandoned. You can trust others. You can love others. You can love God. Because no matter how abandoned you feel, he'll take you in. So if your coworkers, friends, they abandon you, with, and Satan's using this type of attack to keep you from your destiny, you just declare, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And whatever Satan has set up for my harm, God will turn it around for my good. Hallelujah. That needs to be the attitude of our, our hearts, brothers and sisters. Number two, abortion counterattack. This is from Dr. Cindy Trim's book, Rules of Engagement. Ask the Lord to forgive you. And to free you from all present and future ramifications associated with an abortion. Renounce all satanic contracts and covenants with the spirit of death. Investigate, hunt down, break soul ties. Break strongholds associated with abortive activities. And then bind that spirit of death. And you need to break those death cycles from your life, from your home. From your business, from your marriage, from your children, from your loved ones. And then confess that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Cleansed and sanctified by the blood of Jesus. Close all spiritual portals to your soul from the enemy. And establish Jehovah as the gatekeeper and doorkeeper to your soul. You know, people who are under strongholds, there's a gatekeeper to your soul. Your soul is like the place of your mind, will, and emotions. And if you look at some people's souls, their souls are constantly fed fear. Their, soul is, their minds are constantly fed anxiety. Their minds are constantly fed, fed uh, conspiracy theories. Their minds are constantly fed all this fear and all this attack. Why? Because the gatekeeper for their soul is not Jehovah God. It's not Jesus Christ. The gatekeeper for their soul is a spirit of abortion. It's a spirit of death what you got to do brothers and sisters if if you see evidence of that in your life you need to start to war against that spirit and say every day the lord my god is the gatekeeper of my soul what he says and what he wills determines what comes into my mind will and emotions And then, you know, it's good to build prayer hedges around your life, ministry, business, relationships, around your loved ones. You know, pray, pray and build those kinds of hedge of protection talked about in book, book of Job. All right. Uh, abortion counterattack. Abuse counterattack. If you've ever been abused in any way, any form, any shape, one of the ways you get to the heart of the issue is you deal with identity. See, when people get abused, it's not just like an external thing or something that happened to them on the outside or something that happened to them. Something happens inside of them. Their identity gets attacked. Poor little, poor little girl gets sexually abused. Did nothing to warrant it or to invite it Get sexually abused. And what does the little girl start to believe right away? I'm dirty. I deserve this. 
No one wants me. And they start to believe those lies. And then what happens? They begin to live that promiscuous life. It's identity issues. With abuse comes identity issues. So with identity, you've got to get to Bible verses that are going to help you build your identity. Exodus 19 verse 5. Remember, memorize this. Decree and declare daily. Exodus 19.5. Which says, If you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. You walk in God's ways, you are his treasured possession. Say, I am God's treasured possession. You didn't get abused because you deserve it. And you did not get abused because no one loves you or because God abandoned you. You got abused because Satan was trying to destroy you. He was using weapons to keep you from your destiny. But listen to me by the spirit of God. I say to you. Whatever Satan has created to cause you harm. God can turn it around for your good. He can cause all things to work together for your good. But you got to believe the word of God. You got to believe the word of God. You got to let hope rise up in your heart. You got to walk it through and be steadfast in your faith. God loves you with an everlasting love. It's important that you release yourself from being ensnared and trapped by unforgiveness. You see, when Satan abuses someone, two people can get the same abuse as a child. One can grow up healthy and the other, total wreck. What happened? Well, you see, it's not the abuse that determines how a person turns out. It's their response to the abuse. And you see, what Satan's going for is not just to abuse you. What he's going for is for you to be unforgiving about that abuse. And when you are unforgiving... You have unforgiveness. You continue to nurture that in your heart. See, God begins to deal with you, not in grace and blessing, but in judgment. And the word of God makes that really clear. We've got to forgive just as we've been forgiven. And when you don't do that, Jesus said, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you. You will be locked up, tormented by the tormentors. And your life will be one hard, imprisoned, trapped life. Don't let Satan ensnare you with unforgiveness. Let the person go. Forgive them. Give them a gift that they don't deserve. You don't forgive people because they deserve it. You forgive them because you're forgiven. That's it. That's it. And then you need to receive divine empowerment to walk away from this abuse. And then you need to start taking control over your own destiny. Let Jesus be the Lord over your life. Decree and declare that with all things, God's are po- God, all, with all things, with God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. 
And Philippians 3.13, I forget those things that are behind and I reach forth into the things that are before. Ask God to heal you from all that hurt and pain and that you say to yourself, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And you know what? There might be strongholds in your life. You say, I got weapons to destroy those strongholds. Prayer, the word of God, love, whatever those weapons are, you got weapons to destroy strongholds in your own life and in the lives of others. Amen? Amen. And you know, at this moment, some people who've been through some very horrific abuse may be saying to themselves, well, if God really loves me, how can God let this happen to me? How come he didn't do anything about it? If the word of God is true, then how could God let such evil happen to me? Why well, didn't do anything about it? And my answer to that is, he did do something about it. It's just not what you think. See, God did do something about it. Instead of sitting far away, distant, apathetic up in heaven, God sent his only son. God sent his son onto the earth. What Jesus doesn't understand how this abortion has affected my life. Well, check it out. Jesus was almost aborted. When Herod came to kill all the babies of Bethlehem, you know the only reason why Jesus didn't get killed? is because an angel of God appeared to Joseph in a dream, told him to go into Egypt. If Joseph didn't get that dream, or if he got the dream and didn't respond, guess what? Jesus would be dead. Jesus was almost aborted. Not only that, when he walked the earth, guess what? He got attacked by that weapon of spiritual abortion. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know what Jesus prayed in the anguish of his soul? He said, Lord, let this cup pass from me. I can't bear it. Let this cup pass from me, but not as I will, but as you will. He, he was getting so attacked by the spirit of abortion, he wanted to just abort. He came this far, and he wanted, to, he wanted to abort. And guess what? When he was taking every one of those stripes across his back, across his body, oh, yeah, Satan was also whispering in his ear, just snap your finger. Let the legions of angels come upon this place. Abort the cross. Abort whatever plans the Father sent you with. Abort it, abort it, abort it. But you see, Jesus was a humble and submitted servant. He gave himself up, humbled himself, even to the point of death, even death on the cross. And he went to that cross all the way. 
even when he was attacked to abort. What well, Jesus doesn't know what it means to be abused. Now Jesus, Jesus knew abuse. Oh, he was abused, all right. You know what his family probably used to say about him? Uh, Jesus, you are weird. Jesus, why do you talk like that? Jesus, who do you think you are? You're, you're our brother. You have sisters. What do you think you're doing here? There was that kind of psychological abuse. You know what the, all, the whole neighborhood used to think of Jesus? Oh, there's that baby that nobody really wanted. We all know what really happened there. Holy Spirit, right. We all really know what happened with Mary. He experienced abuse. He experienced abuse from the religious leaders. And then when on the, on the day he went to the cross, he received all kinds of physical abuse. But the word of God says that it was the will of the father. It was the pleasure of the father to bruise his son. I mean, how complicated is that? Not only are you going through physical abuse, but somehow you have to relate it to the fact that your loving father willed this abuse to happen. Jesus doesn't know what it means to be abandoned. Oh, yeah, he does. Peter was saying, I'll die with you, Jesus. I'll never leave you. And then on that same night, when the, the Jewish leaders, they came, guess what the disciples said? They said, peace out. They saw Jesus getting arrested. They all ran and abandoned Jesus. One of his closest disciples betrayed him. You want to talk about abandonment? When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he said something very peculiar. He said, Ele, Ele, Lama Sabatani, Lama Sabatani, which means translated, it means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, you think God's done nothing about your abuse and your abortion and your abandonment. But what we fail to understand is it's all there on the cross. He was abused, abandoned, so that you can receive full acceptance. He overcame the cross and even overcame the grave so that you can stand on Isaiah 54, 17 and say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And in Christ, I will always be led into triumphal procession. The cross is what opens all of these promises up to us. And for us to live life where we're not living life out of fear, but we were living life from a place of victory, even before we see that victory. 
The Word of God says in 1 John 3, 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Say that with me. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus went to the cross to destroy the works of the devil in your life. Every one of your abuses, your abandonment, every one of your experiences where Satan set up a weapon to destroy your destiny, to destroy your potential. Jesus went to the cross to destroy that work from your life. So get up out of your chair. Stop living life as a victim. Stop living life all defeated. Stop living life like a slave. Jesus went to the cross to destroy all of those mentalities, all those identities, all those weapons. So that you can live a life that's abundant, prosperous. And the awesome thing is, not only does he say that you are healed, delivered, free, and no weapon formed against you shall prosper, but he puts those words in your mouth for others. Isaiah 61, you get the, Matthew 18, 18, you get the keys of the kingdom of heaven. You get the authority to bind and loose. Whatever you allow, heaven allows. Whatever you disallow, heaven disallows. You get that authority. To bring the kingdom of God onto the earth and to the lives of others. But not only that, you get the anointing of Isaiah 61. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, is anointing of God, of the Lord is upon me. Because he anointed me to proclaim freedom for the captives. To bind up the brokenhearted. That's what it means to be a mighty warrior. I'll tell you right now, even if you're in the process of your own healing, as you step out to heal others... That will release greater healing in your life. As you step out to serve others, that's going to create and position you for more growth. Let's take this on. Let's pray right now. I want us to pray. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. Praise team, while you guys get ready. I want you to lead us in a song. Before, before we sing this song, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. You know, there's some people in here that have been abandoned. And the damage of that abandonment continues to affect their life today. And they've been allowing it to continue to affect their life. And Jesus is here today to say, I went to the cross to destroy that work. That work of the devil. I went to the cross to destroy that work. Do not allow it to continue to fester and prosper in your life. There is no weapon formed against you can prosper. And there's other people that have experienced horrific abuse. Physical, emotional Psychological, sexual, material, all kinds of abuse. And you've been living life and just trying to get by. Well, what do you expect me to live? How do you expect me to live? This is what I experienced. These are the cards that were dealt to me. 
No, these aren't the cards that were dealt to you. That was Satan trespassing in your life. Well, what am I supposed to do with it? It's in the past. I can't change it. Well, let me tell you right now, Jesus is Lord over all. He's not just Lord of the present or the future. He's the Lord of your past. He can get in there. He can heal you. He can set you free. He can bring the word of God. You need to bring the word of God even over your history, over your past. So that no weapon formed against you shall prosper.